Welcome back to the ball game, folks, and have we got a crackerjack lineup for the bottom of our first inning. We're talking to journalist Dan Brown about his experience interviewing Gina Davis and other heroes of ours. But first, let's hear from Rachel and Tierney how they're feeling about the current state of baseball. How are you? Not great, Bob! <laughs> and now, let's get back to the action. <laughs> And I don't believe we have a lineup, but we are back. I'm Tierney, and with me is Rachel Mummer. Hello. And we are sitting down to talk to Dan Brown from The Athletic, because when I think the Gina Davis movie A League of Their Own, I think Dan Brown. I think Dan Brown, too. (laughs) So, welcome. Uh, I just love when I put out that I was going to do a podcast on A League of Their Own, and people come to me with guest suggestions, like, this is the person you need to be talking to. No pressure. No pressure. (laughs) Yeah, well, I think one of the people that got this ball rolling is she reached out to my wife, and my wife is smart enough to know, yeah, no, my husband is the Gina Davis guy. You <laughs> might want to check with him. That's awesome. I would like to say in my defense, I reached out to the women on my Twitter list of baseball people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was not a, a slight on any of the men. <laughs> but I'm glad she put us in touch with you. Why don't you tell people kind of your uh, your history with the movie? How you got involved to the point where people think, oh, a League of Their Own, you got to talk to this guy. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I'm old enough that I was a moviegoer when the film came out in 1992. And as a baseball fan and as a uh, feminist, it hit on both courts for me. It's a fantastic movie, and I think it gets underrated as a, a sports movie. The Athletic Today had its list of the top 100 films, and it's kind of ticked off my own um, my own outlet for having it ranked 20th. It should be much higher. I think a lot of men are still reluctant. You know, they think Bull Durham is great. The Natural is great. All those films are legitimately great. But in terms of watchability, the movie's just magnetic. It kind of never gets old. It's one of those movies that I think if you're flipping channels and come across it, you don't keep flipping, right? You stop and watch the whole the whole thing. I also, um, what's the line about uh, the Dottie Hinson character? Looks like Garbo, hits like Garrig. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, she is easy on the eyes. And I became <laughs> a fan of her because of the way she looked, but have uh, stuck around for the way she is. I mean, I think she's been a great champion for women in film. I think this film itself is a representation of that, of the opportunities afforded to women, um, especially in baseball. And I think her cause and her, I kind of like everything about her, but uh, she... You know, she's a great uh, role model for anybody who's who's into this film. And I've had a chance to meet her a few times because of my fanhood. And she said, there's still as many women and girls who approach her today about the movie as there were in 1992. I mean, I think that it still resonates with certain audiences. I think the notion of any time a, a woman appears in a baseball uniform, the mind goes to a league of their own, as it should. Yeah, I I have the DVD. Uh, I'm sorry, the Blu-ray. What year <laughs> is it? Do it doesn't matter. <laughs> and the... The only piece of paper that comes in it, because remember there used to be like the little paper guide tucked into the front, is a flyer for the Gina Davis Institute on gender in media. So <laughs> right. uh, <Yes>. www.cjane.org, because <laughs> the slogan is if they see it, they can be it. And it's one of those where I didn't even think about it, but it has one of those like, did you know things? And yeah, among the top grossing G-rated films, female characters are outnumbered by boys three to one. This ratio has existed since 1946. Wow. So, I mean, I know this is PG, not G, but it's still relevant. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, it's incredible. And you think about the great female sports movies of all time, there's League of Their Own, and I'd have to r- rack my brain for what would be second. Um, maybe Bend It Like Beckham would be way up there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Bend It Like Beckham would be up there. Million Dollar Baby. Million Dollar, that's a great one. I'm so yeah, glad you guys are here because the first thing I thought of was Blue Crush, and I'm like, that's <laughs> oh my not gosh, the same I thing. About that one. <laughs> a very fun movie, but very different. <laughs> So one of the things, I mean, besides her institute, there's a film festival in Bentonville every year that is, um, it's not sports specific. It's kind of a thing that's organized for for, uh, all women in film. And it's encouraging to the directors and writers and actors and producers and all that kind of thing. But a few years ago, as part of the centerpiece event of that, they had a League of Their Own reunion game. So I um, bought my ticket to Arkansas to go cover this for the, uh, I ended up with a gig for the Sporting News and got to talk to Gina about the movie there, but also Marlon. La Hooch, Betty oh, Spaghetti. Wow. Uh, wow. There was no uh, Madonna there, no Tom Hanks, but still talking to the, the you know, Lori Petty, they can still draw a crowd. And it's still amazing to hear them all talk about how much they're, you know, kind of the rest of their lives, they're approached by people on the streets to hear people say, here's what your movie meant to me. Wow. And that's awesome, right? Oh, yeah. It's so funny because I was reading that article and every time mm-hmm. you had a direct quote from Gina Davis, I heard it in her voice. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's I still have that tape, by the way. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I'm sure you do. <laughs> you want to get rid of that? I loved that interview, although I have to say my favorite thing that I learned out of that didn't make it into the final article. It was, I forget which player, but it was one of the original players from the league has a cane that's like a baseball bat that people sign. Mm -hmm. And she was showing you where Sandy Koufax had signed it. And then (laughs) Leiden was like, my boyfriend. I love that part. (laughs) Right. (laughs) She was a hoot. She was had to go back and look at the... She and I are now Facebook friends. She popped up. Um, Maybelline Blair was her name. And she's in her, maybe her 90s by now. And she was, yes, one of the uh, original All-American Girls Baseball League players and was a pitcher. And I said, well, you know, what was your repertoire with fastball, curveball? She goes, fastball. And Nolan Ryan had nothing on me. But she walks to the cane, and yes, yeah, she had her cane autographed by uh, Major League players, and um, that was a kick of the softball game, was that they had six of the real-life, you know, League of Their Own era players out there, and hearing their stories was great, and my BFF Gina told me, <laughs> she said that uh, they're all super proud of the movie, because that means their legacy lives on too, right? They would have been forgotten about, maybe, or at least overshadowed, overlooked, and this movie kind of brings them into relevance, so people like Maybelline Blair are not forgotten, and... I think they've gotten a huge kick out of being kind of de facto celebrities uh, in the twilight years. And they go to a lot of the uh, baseball events around the country and are celebrated for what they did and the legacy they left. Yeah. I have found a lot of women in like 80s to 100. I, uh, my grandmother-in-law was 100 years old. They're just so like tickled by things where they're just like, this is great. This is, <laughs> right. I'm yeah. having a lot of fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. They like a good party. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And they uh, they deserve to be celebrated. Yeah. And, you know, they were just so full of personality. I think they, you know, they kind of, um, I think a question they get a lot and I asked them was how much of the movie seems about true to life. And they do feel like it's a kind of accurate representation of, you know, the way they played. I think kind of the reception they got from the, from the crowds at the time, you know, the uniforms. I think they had some kind of objection to the uniform, but I'm drawing a blank. But mm. they, um, that, the, what they see on the screen, that looked like them. That was the real, the real deal. And, uh, you know, as again, my best friend Gina said, she says, we're the pale imitations. They were the real deal. And they deserve to kind of have their moment in the limelight, even if it's a half a century later. Yeah. I, I'm always fascinated by the stories of women who did these incredible 
things and then just went, went home. To, yeah. Just didn't talk about it. Oh, <laughs> that amazing, incredible thing I did. What's the big right. deal? <laughs> it's like, we oh kind of talked goodness. about that in one of the previous episodes about how after, you know, after the season or whatnot was over, after the league wrapped, like a lot of these women, you know, they had to go back to their lives as were. And they kind of just, they put that away in like, a separate compartment of their life. Yeah, at least with the stories of like female code breakers and stuff, they were worried they were breaking their, uh, it wouldn't be an NDA, whatever they signed for the government <laughs> saying, yeah. I will not tell people that I broke <laughs> yeah. codes during the war. And they said there were women uh, that worked out in Bletchley Park over in England who still in like the 1980s were like, oh, no, I can't talk about that. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, you can. It's over. <laughs> <laughs> You know how it ends. <laughs> this seems much more like a societal thing where it was just like, oh, well, women don't play baseball. So obviously, I'll just never speak of this again, which is mm-hmm. so sad. I'm really glad that it, it really came roaring back. I know they had started doing reunions. They got the women in baseball exhibit in Cooperstown and then this movie and it just kind of exploded across the landscape because mm-hmm. I am younger than you. I was a kid when this came out and being a girl who was into sports when this movie was out and then all of a sudden everyone knew like Julie is it Croteau that played and caught like following her it just all of a sudden it seemed like oh of course women are gonna be in the major leagues any minute now <laughs> it felt yeah, like yeah. right and then we kind of missed that part <laughs> so I mean, there was a league briefly. I mean, the, the Silver Bullet League where they had women playing and, you know, some, some notable names emerged from that. But no, it really never caught fire. And, you know, it is, I think, a lot more women and girls play. I mean, you know, there's the Bad News Bears. They had Amanda, right, the pitcher. I can't remember the last name. But there have been female sports stars portrayed on the screen before, but never in total like this. And I think the world is probably due for another league or probably another, um, oh, you know, this is actually one of the things that Gina said. Another time it mattered, but there was an idea for um, a sequel to League of Their Own, and they they got approached for what to do next. And you know, unofficially, the um, premise of the new movie was to focus just on Jimmy Dugan, and then he's uh, maybe a manager in the Negro Leagues. So it was, but it was about men, uh, male baseball players again. The whole point of League of Their Own was to give women their moment in the sun, yeah. and the sequel is going to be all about a men's league. So that yeah. idea did not take flight. Rubs the wrong way. <laughs> called their league (laughs) yeah don't get me wrong there's a lot of fascinating stories about the negro leagues and i can't believe Mm -hmm. there aren't more movies and tv properties and stuff like that floating around because that just seems ripe with stories that have not been widely told oh yeah but yeah uh, tying it to the a league of their own franchise (laughs) seems a little rough (laughs) i would have loved to see you know the next time you and gina are hanging out (laughs) mention uh i don't know what the tv show they're working on now is going to be but If I were writing the sequel movie to A League of Their Own, do the spring training in Havana. Ooh, that would be, yeah, yeah, I think it was 47. (laughs) That sounds amazing. And the Dodgers were in town at the same time. So if you want Jimmy Dugan over there, you can work (laughs) that out (laughs) amongst themselves. Yeah, I'll bring her some notes. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Tom Hanks cameo. That is, well, I mean, there's so much great about the movie, but one of my favorite things is the uh, the Jimmy Dugan, Dottie Henson chemistry in the movie with Gina and um, and Tom Hanks. I think some of their scenes together are terrific in terms of the um, kind of the underlying friction. And uh, my favorite scene, one of my favorite scenes is them, those two talking on one of those long bus rides overnight. They're doing some bonding and he's trying to get her to admit, you love it. You love it. You won't say so, but you love it. 
And she, uh, you can kind of read her eyes, her fighting herself to say, you know, no, I don't. I could walk away anytime. I'm going to go get married. I'm going to go uh, give this up as soon as I can. And it's kind of interesting to watch them duel each other like that in terms of getting the other one to say what they're feeling. And he, for the first time in the movie, is being a little vulnerable. He's talking about his backstory, about his no cartilage in his knee and how he got rejected to, to going off to war. So you see maybe why he ended up the way he did as a cantankerous, bitter, whatever he is at this point in his life. <laughs> I don't know. I like I like in any movie the notion of character change. And Jimmy Dugan, like so many other characters in the movies, is different, far different at the end than he was at the beginning. You see the competitor in him come out again. You he see his acceptance of the players. You see him clean up his drinking act. I mean, there's a lot of changes he he makes throughout the course of the movie. You know, I suppose he's supposed to represent the typical uh, chauvinistic viewer and this journey towards acceptance of these women ballplayers. And, you know, that scene... You see it kind of in transition. Yeah. I like that he his character changes a lot, but you never feel like this is a totally different person. Right. Yeah. Like Jimmy Dugan yelling at them to, why am I the only one on this bus? <laughs> Alice, what time is it where you live? Like that is the same yeah. person. He just, like you said, he's stopped drinking. He's come to respect them as players, but he's mm -hmm. still very much still the same person. And that yeah. is a very hard line to draw. I I really appreciate, although I'm sure you would have loved a few more smooching scenes, that <laughs> the love story between Jimmy and Dottie was cut. Like, like you said, you still see some. There is a chemistry between mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. oh, I really liked the idea, again, being a kid, that these were two grown-ups. One was a male, one was female. They had something in common. They got along. They argued about it. Sometimes they fought, but they <laughs> essentially agreed with each other. And they could have these conversations. They could play against each other. And it was just a respectful, it wasn't a romantic yeah. relationship. That was very rare to see. And it was a lot because I think he saw her on his level, you know, especially after that first game when before he, you know, when he's a manager, but not really managing. And, you know, then they, <laughs> right. they're pretty much like then act like it. Then he realizes like, hey, she she she's on my level. I can I can kind of see her as an equal and somebody to respect and talk to talk about anything about, you know, baseball life. So that's, yeah, I like yeah, that. Yeah, they become friends. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And like you say, I mean, A, it's respectful thing, right? It's not romantic, It's the, but they, they grow together in a different way. And then also, like, it's so, so rare that they don't connect on that level, right? I think every other movie at some point that's kind of, whether forced or not, forced or genuine, there's some kind of love interest and they skipped it here. It was about it was about baseball and friendship and manager-player uh, relationship, which is totally different uh, from, from a lot of, whatever the formula is, they abandon that wisely. And I like, even with the chemistry, you know, when they're on the bus talking about their history and, you know, he's talking with Gina about baseball and he show, she shows him the picture of Bob and just the good, you know, the good natured ribbing that he gives her about him as well. I mean, it's good natured ribbing and equal respect for what he is doing right now, you know, serving. It's just the nice, that's the way friends interact with each other. Yeah. When she says, uh, we married, yes, children. One of them was, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My dad's favorite line in the whole movie. <laughs> I love when he meets Bob later. Mm -hmm. Like him, this famous major leaguer, you know, how many home runs and three in game four alone or whatever it was. And yet he meets Bob and he's like, man, 
you married a good one. Like yeah. that's a, like your wife is amazing. It is an honor to meet you. <laughs> I think he says that. Uh, he says I'm a fan of yours. Yes. yes. Yeah. It's so wonderful. <laughs> Would you say that bus scene's your favorite scene or do you have one that's near and dearer to your heart? No, I think so. I think that was my best, my favorite I mean, there's a lot of great things. I think one of the, I mean, one of the unfortunate things about this movie, I think, is that the line, there's no crying in baseball is so great that mm-hmm. it gets quoted so often. But there's so many great quotes and so many other great scenes. Yeah. I like the bus scene because it was human. And I like that it was, um, like you say, it was different. And it seemed genuine. Like the chemistry's good. And all those quiet kind of hushed conversations, even between the players, who might not have been friends in any other walk of life had they met in the street. But there's something about, you know, what essentially is a minor league baseball bus ride. There's a bonding in that. And, you know, I think there's some dispute in the, like the baseball sabermetric community about whether team chemistry matters. But little things like that show how team can and does come together. So that's my favorite. I think God, if I had to think of a second one, the whole tryout setup is great. You know, the scenes are great. The baseball, I think, is generally pretty good throughout the movie. I, I was reading a story yesterday about best basketball films. And the guy's number one criteria was, is the quality of basketball play good oh, and i think wow. the you know the quality of play in league of their own you never kind of cringe at anybody's throwing motion or their swing or whatever um that was the other thing that softball uh reunion game that i went to is talking to my other bff marla hooch megan cavanaugh <laughs> i just adore her she's yeah. fantastic and she said all you know that was all she was actually a really good ball player at that time whatever her training was was real so that swings were all hers the balls off the bat were all hers the only thing they added uh in post as the hollywood type say is the sound effects of the windows crashing and that kind of huh. thing but the baseball part was real which is really impressive i think she said that her uh she used to go to the batting machines and wherever she was living and crank it up to 80 miles an hour wow. and take her hats <laughs> which, which is awesome and it showed uh, on screen so you know i think that is a big thing in the credibility factor for any sports movie is does it look like like it's right yeah and it was I got really into for a while how they fake baseball on television. <laughs> I think it was when Pitch was out and they uh-huh. were talking about like how you film it from this direction so the ball looks like it's moving faster because of the angle. It's a pr- And it was just <laughs> fascinating stuff. And then it was like, this is no bearing on my everyday life, though. <laughs> like, <laughs> I do not need to know this. I just think it's cool. Yeah, no. It's, uh, yeah, fantastic. I mean, you know, from League of Their Own, the balls were, they look like hard balls, but they're all softballs. And then they mm-hmm. recreate the balls going out of the park. But if they got hit with a pitch or something, they were they were all fine. I will say, I played softball for a couple of years, not even at a very high level. Yeah. You can get pretty hurt doing that. You can get a bruise on there. Yeah. <laughs> I am a lefty who learned to bat righty when I was coming up. Wow. And finally, <laughs> it took until J- sophomore year of high school for my coach to be like, Tierney, have you ever tried batting lefty? And so he's like, get in there. And I, it was like completely alien. Like my mm-hmm. hands did not know what to do. My arms are like completely <laughs> thrown off. My weight is wrong. And he would throw to me. And every so often, my hand-eye coordination was terrible. Every so often I would connect and be like, oh my God, that felt amazing. That is <laughs> what it is supposed to feel like. But this is also the JV coach in the suburbs of Connecticut he mm-hmm. hit me so many times trying to pitch to me left because he could not pitch to a lefty. Yeah, yeah. And he would wallop me with those. I'm like, ah, I don't want to try this anymore. 
when I had heard on the commentary as well, like with, and I don't know if they kind of use like period specific type of gloves as well, but they had said there was a lot of bloody noses oh, and broken webbing. noses because of the wet. Yeah, like the way the webbing is, there's not, you know, you go to, you know, cover, cover to the catch a fly ball. The momentum just keeps going. <laughs> yeah. And there, so I, th- I never thought about that. I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm drawing the blank on uh, the name of the, of the player who ends up with the, uh, the raspberry from a slide. Oh, but that, that wasn't oh, makeup either. I can't remember the actress's name. It is Alice, but I don't remember Alice, the actress's right? yeah. name. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. that one's real. Yeah. That yeah. is crazy to me. I never knew that before this right. project. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I'd seen pictures of them. But it's different looking at a black and white picture mm-hmm. in your history book about the league yeah. and then seeing that. And I always assumed it was Hollywood makeup. And now right. seeing it and realizing like, oh, no, that's real. Oh, yeah. and that it was very smart of them and, the, you know, Penny Marshall, the director, to make use of that injury. <laughs> yeah. Because they milked it. had everybody in the theater uh, cringing back in 1992. But- <laughs> very memorable. <laughs> Oh, I read the most awful thing. Oh, it's wonderful for her, but awful. Um, a write-up about Sophie Curry's in one of these women in baseball books I'm reading right now. Mm-hmm. And she was saying that she would get strawberries on top of strawberries she already had. Yeah, She's famous for stealing. And she said, and she was like, this was in the 80s, I want to say. She's like, oh, yeah, sometimes my thighs still hurt when I wake up in the morning. And I'm still. just like, oh, oh wow. gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I will say, I mean, I kind of, uh, in real life, because we mentioned my wife at the beginning, Susan Slesser, who covers the age for the San Francisco Chronicle, she was the first woman to be president of the Baseball Writers Association of America. So I kind of see what she means to other aspiring female journalists out there and the kind of reaction she gets from people who say, I want to be like you. And it's not quite league of their own level, but, you know, to have a job in baseball, to have a job covering baseball, going around the country and interviewing the stars like sports people do, I see what she means to other generations. And she wasn't the first, right? Um, she's had role models like, you know, Joan Ryan and Ann Killian and uh, uh, Susan Fornoff and the other writers who kind of helped pave the way. But you know, that whole see it, if you can see it, you can be it thing that you just quoted at the beginning. I mean, that's real. I don't know how you ended up playing softball, and I don't know if League of Their Own was one of the reasons why, but, I mean, I think there are a genuine inspiration factor here with that movie, and that's part of the reason I think it's, you know, as enduring as it is. I do have a question about the movie, though, that I haven't gotten to ask anybody, that maybe you guys can solve the mystery, but um, I can't remember the exact sequence. I meant to look it up, but in the championship game, you know, that late inning sequence, Gina comes up facing Kit with the go-ahead or tying run at second base. Mm-hmm. Why don't they walk her with first base open? That's what I've read something about that. Like, that would be your ideal. That's what they should have done. Like, a hitter like Dottie, ideally, you want to walk that person. Like, yeah, because then what happens, happens. <laughs> <laughs> right. She's the best player in the league. First yeah. base is open. Close situation. You walk that person. Oh, so yeah. Maybe in the yeah. sequel we'll have a... The entire sequel is <laughs> yeah. just that just play. Right? <laughs> that right. I feel a lot better, yes. The only flaw in an otherwise glimmering, pristine piece of cinema. <laughs> Here's a question for you, Dan. Okay, at the very end of the championship game, is that intentional that Dottie drops a ball or is that just because, you know, she gets walloped by Kit? I've come around on this. Okay. I you know, I know this is I know from reading stuff before this is a controversial thing, but not in my mind. Of course she drops the ball um as a matter of the play. It wasn't on purpose. 
Mm-hmm. It was because she got hammered. I mean, she's proven throughout the movie time and time again to be a fearless, ferocious competitor. Yeah. And the notion that she would give in at that moment. Yeah. Uh, there's no hint of it. There's no sign of it. And I kind of don't understand the question. And oh, <laughs> maybe you guys agree. I hope so. I just don't see her character. We talked about the notion of character change and evolution, all that stuff. I don't see anything that would evolve in her that would allow her to drop the ball and say, here you go, Kit. This is all yours. And it would also uh, diminish Kit's accomplishment in that moment. Oh, yeah. So. Well, I've never understood it. I was always team wallop. I didn't even yeah. know this was a controversy yeah, until right. very recently. And until I re- kept, you know, have been rewatching it, I think on my second rewatch, I'm like, no. I've come around to Team Wallop because Team Wallop. I think it's just the way that that is shot. Her that one shot of her fingers and the ball. I don't know if it's intentionally shot like that, but I think that leads to like, oh, did she or didn't she? But the more I watch it, I'm like, no, she she would like she would have held on if she could have. Like right. I've come around to that Team Wallop. <laughs> I am not coming off of Team Wallop. I do understand <laughs> better now the thematic things that make people think she would no. have done that. They're, they're all wrong. Yeah. <laughs> there's so many. Well, and my thing is, if that was the case, this happens after she's... Because what always breaks my heart is Kit crying in the dugout and her seeing her, mm-hmm. like, as an older sister, that just, like, knife. <laughs> twists in my heart like i cannot handle it but all she has to do is not tell ellen sue what pitch to throw at her sister right like there's even the musical cue of betrayal as she squats behind kit and (laughs) kit like knows what has happened that's the thing right as late as that at bat Dottie is telling Pitcher she can't lay off the high ones. Yeah. So so you'd have to think that in the ensuing whatever would have been 10 minutes, she would have been, I'll let her have it. If they had shown her seeing Kit crying and Kit had just come to bat and things had just played out, I would be much more open to the argument that she through the game for Kit. But like, no, no, she sold out her sister. Like, <laughs> what, three pitches before this? Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, we joke, but I had, you know, I had, I did a charity auction where I went and had 90 minutes with Gina to ask her all kinds of questions. And I didn't wow, ask that one minutes. because, um, <laughs> A, maybe I didn't want to know, but B, I yeah. also didn't want to uh, insult her if it was a, um, because to me, it's obvious that, of course, she wouldn't yeah. drop the ball, but maybe yeah. next time. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm with you. I don't think I would want to know. I really, yeah. I really enjoyed your travel diary about going oh out to gosh. Arkansas. And <laughs> mm-hmm. the first time when she walks by and you're like, I have flown to Arkansas for four seconds with Gina Davis. <laughs> totally worth it. Obviously, that was not the end of that story, right. as people have already been able to tell from our conversation. But <laughs> it really kept me on the edge of my seat. <laughs> yeah, for the people who are just listening and haven't read that thing, that they kind of set up an interview area and said, okay, just stay here and all the players will come by. I'm thinking, all the players? I'm never, ever, ever moving from this spot. Yeah. <laughs> but Gina was running behind and had to skip it, so I had to run down to the dugout and onto the field before the game to track her down. But that's just good journalism. There you go. Also, at that same weekend were Melissa Fuermo and Stephanie, is it Beatrice? Is that how she <laughs> yeah, pronounces it? Brooklyn nine, I nine, yeah. I freaking <laughs> love them. I know, I, right? Oh, so much. They're like some of my favorite characters on television. And the actresses themselves just seem so delightful. Mm-hmm. And so I was just like, wow, I went into this just looking for Gina Davis quotes. And this is 
just all around great. <laughs> <laughs> right. They were at the, uh, you know, they're big proponents of women in film too. So they were at this film festival. And I don't even know if they necessarily had a project that they were promoting or anything. They were just there to kind of support the film festival. And I ran into them and was thrilled out of my mind because they love Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And the fact that they walked into this thing I was at together, like they were really, you know, real life best friends, totally fit with my worldview. But then, um, then I saw them everywhere. They were on the same buses. <laughs> They're in the same restaurants. I could not shake them. And uh, I think I might move to Bentonville, Arkansas. <laughs> that's the, been the trick we've been missing this whole time. <laughs> you know, that's maybe that will be my excuse to get to Arkansas. Rachel knows this already, but listeners to our podcast might not have heard this. I have um, my only like real bucket list item is to go to all 50 states. Mm-hmm. And you'd be surprised how hard it is to come up with an excuse to go to some of these states. <laughs> Like, I've made a pretty good dent, and I have a friend who lives in Juneau, Alaska, yeah. so, like, it, it's helping, but maybe that will be my Arkansas. Well, yeah, I would tell you, this year's, uh, it's usually a May festival, oh. but because, like the rest of the world, it's been postponed and rearranged, and I think they're going to try and do it um, late in the summer, so there's still time. Yay! <laughs> I won't hold the fact I just saw Thelma and Louise for the first time. And I was like, where are they? And then it's like, there are 5 million Arkansas license plates. There we go. <laughs> so yeah, that and that probably also contributed to me reading all the quotes from Gina Davis in her voice. <laughs> I do that just as a throughout my day anyway. There you go. Well, did you have anything else you wanted to mention of a league of their own? Because I was going to say, when you're not rubbing elbows with Hollywood elite <laughs> in Bentonville, Arkansas. <laughs> right. I mean, I do. I do have a like one funny story just as I don't know as a humble brag or just a, a notion to the to the um, to the impact of this movie but because Susan and her role as a BBWA president um, a few years ago we went to the Hall of Fame inductions uh, week and one of the things they do for the media and for the currently enshrined players is they kind of hold a, a gala in the Hall of Fame that's otherwise closed to the public. So you just kind of have more room and more time to roam around the Hall of Fame. And I'd never been before. And it's if, you, if you've never been, I can't recommend it enough. It's everything you dream. It's it one of my be. favorite places on earth. Okay, you've been there, right? Oh, right, Connecticut. You're not that far. Anyway, it's absolutely everything you dream it would be. And we're roaming around kind of with the other Hall of Famers. So, you know, Raleigh Fingers is there and Steve Carlton. And they're with us kind of at the, they're in the women in baseball exhibit where we are. And just me, Susan, Steve Carlton, Raleigh Fingers, and we're not together. I'm just kind of eavesdropping. But Steve Carlton looks over at the League of Their Own poster and says, Gina Davis. And I thought, oh my God, what's he going to say next? It better be good or I'm going to brawl in the Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame. <laughs> but he goes, she was so good in that movie. And I thought, okay. You've just moved up my all-time rankings, buddy. <laughs> but um, the point of the story is that even they, uh, even the, some of the Hall of Fame baseball players appreciate the movie. They got a kick out of seeing it. They were in the exhibit checking it out and taking it all in. And uh, that, I thought, was pretty cool. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. The first time I walked into the women in baseball exhibit there, mm-hmm. I did not cry, but I teared up a little bit yeah. because Nikki, my friend and I had grown up obsessed with this movie saying, someday we're going to go. Someday we're going to go and we're going to see this exhibit just like in the movie. It's not just like in the movie, just FYI, (laughs) folks listening at home. (laughs) It's still very cool, but it does not look like this. And Laurie Petty is not there. (laughs) And then uh, they have the baseball movies exhibit. Yeah. which has mm-hmm. a oh, League cool. of Their Own poster and also is the poster for the movie Rhubarb, which I think this quarantine is finally, I'm going to take the time and track it down. Hmm. I've wanted to see the movie about a cat that owns a baseball team ever since I saw oh, that wow. poster. <laughs> I was just like, 
Does that movie poster imply what I think it implies? Does it imply a cat owning a baseball team? Because I need to see that movie. <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say, what is that? I am. I don't know that movie. When's it from? Yeah, I didn't know about that either. 1951. Uh-huh. Wow. Uh, Ray Milland, Jan Sterling, Gene Lockhart, and William Frawley are the top <laughs> bills. I'm in. But it's just purely one of those things like... How many times could you walk through? I mean, there's so much stuff that you could just walk through the hall and you'll always spot something yeah. new. Hmm. And just one year, it was that poster where I was like, I got to track down that movie. <laughs> I want that to be the next podcast is Cats and Baseball. <laughs> I mean, I do it, but <laughs> I think I'm so glad. You know, when they first said they were delaying baseball and no one knew what was going to happen, actually, even before that, when you just knew like something was going to happen, but no one was sure yet. I was really like, oh, I can't believe I'm doing a baseball baseball podcast this is ridiculous what are we doing and now i'm so glad we're doing this now because yeah. all i do is like watch a league of their own all day you know it's i mean i you know i've noticed that just as a as a kind of a twitter phenomenon that it, sports movies are really getting a kind of a moment in the sun because people who need their fix whether it's baseball basketball football whatever are putting on movies like a league of their own or bull durham or whatever because that's you know you just feel in your bones in spring there should be baseball on tv so i'm getting a huge kick out of the rankings and the best of lists and i actually went to watch league of their own to prepare for this and then i realized um i've seen it probably 50 times i think i can make <laughs> my way through the podcast but it's just fun um as a genre as a film genre Sports movies are inherently dramatic. Who's going to win? Who's going to lose? Who's going to get cut, hurt, whatever? It's just so fun. And uh, I'm glad people are finding that as a good time-killing weapon during this time. And I do appreciate what you said at the top. Like, this is a sports movie. It is also a very well-made movie. Right. Full of drama and jokes. And they're all well done and well acted. Mm -hmm. Like It's really a moment where all those things came together. Right. The lines hold, like I said, I mean, beyond the uh, there's no crying in baseball, the jokes land. The characters are yeah. vivid. You know, they've got some memorable people. I mean, even the scout, right? John Lovitch is the scout <laughs> yeah. for his 10 minutes on screen. <laughs> what a great character. So it's just such a blast um, that they created this thing. And for people who haven't done it, watching the DVD commentary, mm. you know, if you can find that version, it's fantastic. The stories oh, yes. they tell about behind the scenes. Yeah. I'm falling more in love with Laurie Petty and Megan Cavanaugh than I, I know. even thought possible. Oh, <laughs> through listening to that commentary because they talk about being from Chicago and mm -hmm. both of them like oh my dad just wanted to go to Wrigley and like be able to say he saw me play there <laughs> and everything. Right it's funny I ran into when I was at that film festival in Arkansas I ran into Mar Marla Hooch and Betty Spaghetti not at the softball game but in the like three days beforehand they were just audience members at some other film premiere and it was like running into uh, you know superstar ball players like oh what do I say what do I say yeah. uh, I was sitting behind them while other people were talking thinking okay when this talk is over how do i go up to them and tracy reiner who plays betty spaghetti she was a little you know she's a little more hollywood and was fine funny mm -hmm. but she was a little bit more but megan kavanaugh you could tell that even though she probably gets talked to every day of her life about League of Their Own. She had a knack for making it feel like I was the first person to ever come up to her. Aww. And uh, she now is my second favorite, uh, <laughs> Rock for Peach. I will post a link to the article, obviously, because um, that was amazing to read about all the people that were involved in that softball game. I love any time there are reunion games. I follow the official AAGPBL account mm -hmm. on Twitter, mm -hmm. and they're constantly retweeting like, oh, we had a night honoring so and so at this random field in Iowa and I'm just yeah. like yes give me all of this yeah <laughs> yeah it's great and I love like you said I love the way they did it they could have had just had the Hollywood 
element there, but they got as many players as they could to come get there, you know, have another crowd applaud for them. And I think every single one of those players just thought it was an absolute blast. They probably didn't get that back in the 1940s. They probably didn't get such an appreciative crowd and a little Hollywood pat on the back. So that was smart. And that was also kind of genuinely moving. It's really heartwarming to know that, yes, this movie came out in 1992. It was a huge moment. You know, there were all these things about the league. And then most movies you only hear about on their anniversaries. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's 10 years old. Oh, it's 20 years old. 25. Can you believe it? There's a new version of it on DVD. This is one of those things that really, maybe I'm biased because I follow baseball, but it really does feel like it has kept going, that it is continuous. Like you were saying, like these actresses say... They still get approached about this movie, and they've done how many things since then? Right. I mean, it's an it, it's incredible, and I think that I mean not to name last name drop, I promise, but um, <laughs> that's when Megan, like Megan Cavanaugh, Marla Hooch, when she realized when when the movie was going to be enduring, is there's a, some point when it starts showing on reruns all the time, and I think it's lessened a little bit, but you know maybe when it first got released to the TV and the to cable it's such a staple of flipping around i think tbs whatever channel they just aired it a lot and that didn't go away i mean you could there were times when you could find league of their own almost any random tuesday night just flipping around and i think that has really helped um it's just such good comfort food for the airwaves i think people like it it's pleasant it's um timeless and i hope it's on at some point later tonight (laughs) (laughs) excellent well thank you so much for coming and talking to us i knew no one would have as good a gina davis story (laughs) as you no pressure on our other guests obviously (laughs) we talk on this podcast all the time people know us we're boring but where can people find your work so theathletic.com and it's a nationwide outlet for sports news i work for the Bay Area site out here in San Francisco covering mostly A's, Giants, some Niners, some Warriors, but it's theathletic.com. And on Twitter, I'm at Brownie Athletic. So Dan Brown works for The Athletic. Brownie Athletic is the Twitter handle. (laughs) I literally just had to look down and check if I was wearing my athletic t-shirt that I got (laughs) for free with my subscription a couple years ago. (laughs) Just to prove that I am a nerd and why I might be biased, I looked down and I'm like, oh no, it's the baseball prospectus one today. So that's that's where my wardrobe's at. (laughs) But yeah, The Athletic has amazing writing and I just had so much fun setting up the first time I got the app on my phone. Like, all right, what are my teams? Curating my feed. Uh-huh. Yeah, and we're doing our best during the um, during this kind of lull in the sports world to keep the content coming. So don't wait for the games to come back. We still got good stuff. I am loving all the weird stuff. It's <laughs> like, all right, we don't have any new games to talk about. Let me raid the file of ideas that I've been sitting on for years and years. There, there's been a, some fun. But yeah, I'm so glad you were able to talk with us. Yeah, tonight. thanks for having me on. It was really fun. We have a lot of Gina Davis love in our first full yeah. episode because <laughs> it has the Oregon game oh mm-hmm. right of course mm-hmm. we had to just wax poetic there her batting stance is so good mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah no arguments here well i'm jealous if we chose anyone other than Dottie Hinson as the MVP of the inning, do you think Dan Brown would return to our podcast studio to protest? Uh, I mean, she makes a good case for herself here. And, and this is where we just talk about who we think contributed the most to the first inning. Who was the MVP? Oh, 
I mean, I'm going to have to go with one of my favorites, Marla. Marla Hooch. Marla has a great introduction here. Yeah. I think it's funny that one of my nominees was going to be Marla's dad. Oh, yeah. he. I mean, he has a, you know, a small role, but it's very, it's very impactful. He has a whole, a whole character arc. In t- he does. In two scenes. <laughs> okay, so let me see. So we have... I think John Lovett will win, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Marla, Marla's dad, John Lovett's, and then my wild horse contender was going to be older Doris for her, I'm coming, May, as she ran around the bases. Oh, yeah. Because I think that's, we don't see much of the baseball game, but we see enough to get the flavor. Yeah. And I also just was trying to think of characters that aren't going to be in the movie from here on out, you know, to mix it up. But yeah, that that is four. But if you have anyone else who comes to mind, I am am open to... uh, open to debate i think that would probably be it for especially the first inning because those are the pretty much the major especially those three the first year are the major players kind of and i mean not counting kit but i just say i adore kit but kit does not get an mvp nomination yeah. for, although it's funny how are we counting most valuable because yeah kit well, gets daddy to the train like <laughs> when i guess i'm thinking more of who's fun (laughs) yeah and like that's what i was thinking because i mean obviously dotty and kit we're gonna Mm. see like the whole rest of the entire movie so if we do other polls we can obviously include them so i mean it's nice to highlight some of these characters like her dad and john lovitz that we really only see for this section (laughs) i'm coming may i'm coming (laughs) run (laughs) cracks me up every time yeah i would say people who were in the running but i don't think you're gonna make the final poll could be um dotty's daughter for making her go to the reunion Mm -hmm. and frank who only gets mentioned but the purely for the way older dotty goes she won't be there she'll be traveling around with that husband her frank and he's always been very nice to you. <laughs> I know. That's what I love about it. It's like, we never meet him. <laughs> we just have that, like, Frank. <laughs> Frank. <laughs> Frank Barone. I'm very easily <laughs> abused. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think we've got some good nominees. And so we will put polls on our Twitter and our Facebook group. We'll both have polls. I try and be very aware that not everyone has everything. That's true, yeah. Which, quite frankly, is probably healthier. (laughs) So if you join us in the Dugout with Dugan, our Facebook group. The Dugout with Dugan. It's so much fun to say. (laughs) Or on Twitter with the handle at VCR Privileges. You will see polls there, and let's say we'll leave them up the week, yeah. and that way we can announce the winner at the bottom of the second. Yeah, that sounds like a uh, fair amount of time. That's a good amount of time, and uh, I like that. I have spoken. <laughs> this is the way. <laughs> <laughs> that is the way this podcast, and uh, we'll see what happens with our MVP voting, and we'll see what happens in this movie in the next inning. Yeah. Got a good feeling about these tryouts they're going to. I do too. We will see. We won't see you. You're listening to a podcast, but you'll hear we'll us. see you with our ears. Exactly. <laughs> next time, and don't forget, go, go Peaches! peaches.
Enjoy that? Good. Well, come back next game, will you?